Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wilson. Inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Shake needs to be in perfect years. The Eagle has landed for the Pinyas in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast. Coming up on today's emergency show, we're going to be talking about one thing and one thing only. That is of course Tim Kelly's trade request this afternoon to the mighty West Coast Eagles. I'm your host Honeybadger35, I won't be breaking it all down alone, I am joined this week by Keys. How are you? I'm good mate, a uh, pretty bleak September for us all around unfortunately. October's getting off to a, a much brighter start with today's news. I thought September was fine, given that we beat Essendon and then they cancelled the rest of the season and moved straight on to 2020. So I don't know what you're talking about, but we'll break it down in full detail in just a minute. We are also both joined this week by Miguel Sanchez. How are you? Hello, yes, I'm back. I'm enjoying being back and um, rustling jimmies on the Geelong board already. You're back, Miguel. You're posting. You're uh, you're back from the, from the cold, from your exile. And uh, yeah, you've picked a good time for it, as you said. There's plenty of banter to be had on Big Footy, both on the Eagles board and indeed across the website. It has all come down to one headline and one story that broke today. So, gents, we might as well just get stuck into it right now. It was made official today. Tim Kelly has requested a trade from Geelong. He has nominated the Eagles as his preferred club. And while Geelong seemed to have phrased it differently as, as though he's requested a trade to WA with a preference, I think everybody is, is pretty aware of, of the implication here that Tim Kelly wants to become an Eagle and uh, pretty much an Eagle exclusively. So, Keys, that brings us to the first question of today and certainly the biggest one that we will discuss ahead of this trade and that is simply this. What is Tim Kelly worth to the West Coast Eagles? He's obviously a phenomenal player, a fantastic 2018 and 2019. Plenty of accolades for such a, such a young, tenured player just in his second year of his career. But he's out of contract. He wants to come home. The Eagles have a decent haul of assets, but perhaps not the most impressive set of assets in uh, WA. So, Keys, I'll start with you. What does Tim Kelly cost the West Coast Eagles? It's pretty interesting because I think for the first time since maybe our formation years, we've gone after what you would call a star of the competition. I mean, guys we've traded in the past, Creeps, you know, even Stingline and Chick going to the mid-2000s have been decent players, but not, you know, in the top epsilon. So it's not something that the club generally do, is go after a star, but that's how this one's panned out. Um, I think we've got three main trading chips, and that would be this year's and next year's first rounder and also the Sydney second round pick, which is, I think, 22. 24 now with the Gold Coast. Um, right, yeah. Already picks. Yeah, so, so we've got those that are our three main trading chips. Um, I think the fact that Kelly's out of contract, I would like to think that we're only using two of those with something like a, maybe our own second rounder uh, this year going back to Geelong as well. So potentially, like, 
this year's first and second round and then next year's first round pick is probably thereabouts and whether or not we have to include our seconds, you know, up for debate. But yeah, I, I, I would thought that Geelong would be going after this year's and next year's first at a at an absolute minimum. And I think if, to think that we get out of it anything less than that would be optimistic. But at the same time, I think that's getting somewhere nearer. I don't think we need to be throwing too much more in on top of that. Well, Keys, call me optimistic because, yeah, as of now, you've touched on the picks. We have 14. We've got 24. Obviously, that came from Sydney. Uh, and we've also got our own second rounder. I think that there is a chance we get this done with our first two picks in this coming draft, 14 and 24. Geelong have obviously uh, asked for a pick in the top 10, indeed multiple first rounders. There's a couple of different reports about what they'd like. Miguel, when all is said and done, and I'm sure this will be quite a drawn-out process, but at the end of it, what do you think the price will turn out to be? Yeah, I don't think we'll. Um, I don't think it'll get done until the final sort of hour, probably of trade week. Um, given that you know, Geelong have already started the posturing with their sort of the forty-word, extremely salty uh, press release, I'd like to think that we can keep one of those the three big chips that that Keys talked about. I'm I'm a bit worried. I haven't really got my head around how that rule about taking two first-round draft picks in four years is going to affect us because if we trade out of this year's and next year's first round, we didn't take one last week, uh, last year, so we're leaving ourselves possibly exposed there. But putting that to one side, yeah, I think it's probably going to involve 14 and next year's first, uh, and then it's just a matter of whether that'll satisfy Geelong or whether there needs to be some other tinkering um, done around the edges there. Um, I've suggested some stuff uh, on the board and on Geelong's board until I got booted. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that was very well received, yeah. Yeah. So, Well, the, the actual suggestions were pretty well received, but the fact that I've got Tim Kelly in the avatar, uh, less so. Um, bit of a sensitive topic for them at the moment, Touchy apparently. subject, for sure. They're not dealing with it well, yeah. But, um, yeah, Trade Radio, someone on Trade Radio suggested sort of um, packaging up 14 and 24 to get Carlton's pick nine. And then, so if we were to send that to Geelong and that and next year's first for um, Kelly and getting something back as well uh, would be good. Yeah, if you just, if you look at, you know, what similar sort of players have gone for recently, um, and you look at, you know, the Trelaws and Shields, it's sort of one top 10 pick and one sort of late first round or early second round pick seems to, with some other stuff coming back the other way, seems to be about the mark. And yeah, Kelly's. Uh, obviously, a you know, really good talent and you know, went close to winning a Brownlow this year. He's all Australian, so um, the fact that he's nominated us is good, but it's not going to you know, not going to mean we're going to get him for cheap. Yeah, obviously, a lot of moving parts with this deal, and I'm sure we will see plenty play out both in the media and then perhaps after the fact. If it's done, we'll we'll hear a couple of things after the fact as well. But Keys, just while we're looking at it, picks are not the only assets that the Eagles have. They're perhaps not the only points of interest that Geelong might have from us going back the other way. So let's talk about some of the players. Do you think that there is any chance the Eagles include players in a deal to send them back across to Victoria? We speculated all year that there might be a couple of names, Brandon, Nelson, these sorts of guys. But the club historically has been uh, pretty reluctant to include players that don't want to be traded or haven't requested a trade publicly yet. So, Keys, your thoughts on if we could see anybody going back the other way to Geelong? I don't think back to Geelong. I, I, I don't think any of the players that 
I think we'd be prepared to to lose. I don't think we're prepared to lose any. I don't think we'd make a significant enough difference to the trade picks to warrant including them. So if I want to use Brander for an example, yeah, I don't know that if the offers this year's first and next year's first, for example, does Brander change that to just one of those first rounders and and Brander? I don't think that washes with Geelong and and if we're not getting a first round pick for Brander coming back, well then I don't think we include him. It's more it I think there's a possibility that another club might come and chase someone like Petrocelli or Brander or one of these guys. Possibly there's some scutterbutt about Gaff, which I don't think has got much substance to it. But someone else coming in and, and we get picks from another club that we can then use for Geelong, uh, possibly. But I don't don't really see it. Most of our players are locked up. And, and unless someone asks for a trade, our track record is, as you say, we don't put names on, on the block. So I'd be surprised if a player gets involved in it in any, in any way. Now, Miguel, I'll throw to you here, and it's our first poster question for the week. It comes from Hudson 2006. Uh, and They ask, have there ever been any players who have requested a trade to a home state without explicitly uh, suggesting a club or nominating a club as uh, one of preference? Now, the reason I ask this, obviously Fremantle, unfortunately, share the WA football market with us, but they also do have quite a haul of assets when it comes to the trade table and the draft period this year. They might be losing a couple of guys like, uh, like Hill. They might be losing Langdon. They've got some high picks as is, so they could be staring at three potential top 20 picks, uh, it would be quite the haul and certainly quite the bargaining chip in an attempt to drive the price of Tim Kelly up. So firstly, can you recall any players who have been happy to just go to a state and not a club? And then secondly, how do you think Frio's involvement in this, or indeed do you think Fremantle will have any involvement in this? What sort of factor will they play in the Tim Kelly saga? Um, yeah, I said on the um, in response to that post, I thought maybe Josh Kelly, ironically, since Geelong picked him up. Josh Caddy? Josh, yeah, Josh Caddy, not Josh Kelly. Sorry, had um, <laughs> had said that he was happy. He was when he went from Gold Coast to Geelong that he was happy to go back to Victoria, and he didn't really care where. Um, that's just from memory. I'm I'm not sure if that was the case. Yeah, other than that, it's it's certainly been the norm, almost going back to Judd in 2007, that they just you know, the player nominates a club, and that's it. And you know the fact that um, that you know we could have potentially got more out of Richmond or someone else for, for Judd than uh, than Carlton didn't come into it. So, yeah, Geelong have certainly been the beneficiaries of that uh, more often than not, I think, with um, obviously Dangerfield. Um, so, yeah, it's unfortunate for them this time, but too bad. Um, it's not just yeah. Dangerfield either. Ablett, Rowan, Scott Selwood, yeah. Jack Stephen looks to be coming in this year. So they've yeah. certainly been on the good end of this system for a little while. Galhouse. Yep. Yeah, a couple of those were free agents, though, so I suppose that makes it a, a, um, a bit different. Anyway, yeah, um, in terms of what Frio do, I think they they can play spoilers. I think they probably just sit in the background and sort of maybe try and swoop if it, you know, if it gets late into the trade period and it looks like uh, the Eagles and Geelong can't come to an agreement. Then maybe they keep the pressure on uh, Kelly and his agent to, uh, you know, to change his mind and decide to be – and decide that, um, you know, getting home is um, is more important than – uh, absolutely getting to the Eagles. So uh, they could do that, but I think they will at least initially just stay in the background and, and monitor things. I, I don't think they'll be 
you know, completely playing spoilers. Maybe I'm being a bit naive there. I, I think, personally, I think it's in Fremantle's best interest just to sit it out. Certainly, initially, like you say, there's no point them getting in a bidding war because anything they do, they jump in too early and, and ugly push up West Coast price. That, that means it's also pushing up their price if they want to jump in late. So I think their best strategy is just to sit in the background, just put their hand up every now and then to uh, Cowley's manager and just say, look, we're still here, and then just wait. And if talks between Geelong and West Coast completely break down late, well, then they could maybe jump in, given that Kelly probably won't want to have to go into the draft. And if it does, does actually completely turn to shit and it does go to the draft, then Freo will probably in the in the box seat to pick him up. So I would have thought initially they'd, they'd sit out. The other thing, and I've, I've been saying this for, for quite some time, is Freo do have the better better picks, especially with what they might get for Hill and, and Langdon. But just them having them doesn't mean they're going to just give them up. I mean, Fremantle showed last year that they're not, not pushovers as, as a trading negotiator. So they'll they'll be pushing for a hard bargain. They're not just going to come in and just offer the world solely to um, Trump pass. They're going to be looking after their interests. And I think it was Brendan Spudard that said that, you know, Fremantle could trade Hill for pick six then give six and seven to Geelong for Kelly, which is... I mean, there's no way Fremantle are doing that. They're not giving six. They're not going to give six and seven for Kelly, even if he'd nominated them. It just wouldn't happen. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Fremantle do. But I think, as Fivey said, I think they'll probably just sit on their hands initially, at least. Certainly, a lot to play out between now and the end of the trade period, and indeed, or, or possibly between now and when Tim Kelly becomes an eagle. Uh, Miguel, one last thing on the deal or the potential deal and all of the events of today before we move on to uh, analysing what a potential 2020 Eagles side could look like. So today, Geelong came out with, as you touched on earlier, perhaps a little bit of a a salty statement. And I think there's even been suggestions that Kelly didn't want to go out this early with his trade request. Uh, Geelong's best and fairest, obviously, being tonight. And perhaps it was the sort of thing where he wanted to wait until after the event. Uh, th- those reports are unconfirmed. The agent or the manager has since come out uh, and confirmed the request. The club's confirmed the request. So it's all well and truly out now. But Miguel, what sort of reception do you think that he's going to get at the Best and Fairest Awards tonight? And, and, and do you think this is going to sort of play into a bit of the ugliness throughout this potential Kelly trade? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. But um, yeah, whether he actually goes to the Best and Fairest on the back of all of this will be interesting. Um, it did It seemed to get pretty ugly this time last year. Um, with him and, uh, in particular, his wife I, as well, I think, was getting um, a bit of a torrent of abuse from um, from Geelong fans on social media. So, yeah, none of that's um, going to improve this time around. Yeah, it's a very, um, obviously, a very unpleasant for, situation for him to be in and probably just um, all helping the fact that he's uh, he's got to get out of town. Yeah, I think the, I think the best affair is actually tomorrow night. And last year, I check back he didn't he didn't say anything about requesting a trade until after the best and first last year so it makes sense that he probably didn't want to have that come out in the public domain until friday this year i can't imagine it sits too well with him that geelong have jumped the gun and said it straight away i think to be honest it's a bit of a dick move by geelong you know kelly's done the right thing by them over two years of footy yeah he he's going to be excused for sulking this year and not really putting in after they 
you know, didn't trade him last year, but he gave everything he's got to do what they've done. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's, uh, and it was a very, very salty press release, very curt. From memory, I, I didn't even thank Kim Kelly for his time at the club. From memory, so yeah, they can eat the proverbial bag. Okay, well, we'll move away from the deal and we will move into projecting what a potential 2020 midfield could look like if indeed Tim Kelly does come to the West Coast Eagles. Keys, I'll start with you. The Eagles midfield a couple of years ago was very poorly rated. Now, we overachieved or surprised or whatever you want to call it in the eyes of champion data, in the eyes of the media, all this sort of stuff. But obviously, it is now a premiership midfield unit. It's a unit that perhaps took a step back in 2019. But as we move to 2020, we've seen one change of Chris Marston coming out. We will potentially see Tim Kelly come in. What does next year's midfield lineup look like to you? Who's going to lose touches if Kelly comes to the club? Who's going to have to play more time outside? And basically, how does Tim Kelly fit into the current Eagles setup? I think he brings a different dynamic to our group. And the, the one ability that he does have, which I don't think our other mids really share his ability to hit the scoreboard. He can play that high half forward role, which has been a bit of a graveyard for some of our mids or developing mids in in years past. But I think he can sit in that role a bit, I suppose, similar to how Cousins used to play when we had Judd and Kerr and and Stengline often taking the centre bounces. So I don't think we'll use him to do as much of the grunt clearance work as what Geelong did. But where he can help us is, is that that was it post clearance contested possession. That's where he can come into his own. So just how that plays out, I think Gaff, you know, eliminates the need for Gaff to to move into the middle at all. He can just purely be a, a wingman, and then you, you, we can sort of rotate a little bit more. It gives us a bit more flexibility. We can put some different looks into the square. We can play Kelly on the wing, play on the half forward flank. Same with Sheed. Um, and even Shuey, we can we can Shuey's probably early in his career he used to be quite good across half forward and then became more of a grunt midfielder. I think it frees him up a little bit too to, to perhaps become a half forward as well. Centre square wise, you know that Nui to Shuey's been a joy to watch. We've got Shuey and Kelly in a centre square and and that can pick which one of those two he wants to hit the ball to on the burst. Gives us a pretty dangerous look. Miguel, the 2020 unit could consist of Redden, who's 29. Shuey will be 29 uh, by the time round one this is, these, these dates are. So by round one next year, you'll have Redden, 29, Shuey, 29, Gaff, 27, Yo, 26, Kelly will be 25, and Sheed, 24. So it's not a unit with super young talent, but certainly one that should all be in its prime, and this should be basically how the premiership engine room looks for the next couple of years. What do you think of that 2020 midfield, or potential midfield, I should say? How does it compare to the ones we've run out in these last couple of years? And indeed, how does it compare to the best midfields that the Eagles have seen, namely that that 6 one? Is this the most talented group we've seen since then? Tough to put it on on that sort of pedestal because that was, you know, Cousins, Judd, Kerr, Fletcher, Embley was just about the greatest that um, the AFL era has ever seen, I think. Um, but, yeah, certainly getting up up in that sort of echelon. I'm a bit worried that it's uh, a little bit too much inside. Um, like the, there's some great grunt in there, but uh, apart from Gaff having um, having dropped Maston this year, we you know, need a bit of outside run, I think, to, to aid that. But 
Yeah, certainly on paper, it's um, it's going to be a pretty formidable uh, midfield unit. Um, yeah, adding uh, Kelly to Sheed and Yo will um, you know, give opposition uh, coaches headaches about which one they tag, and um, yeah, with you know, add a, a hopefully um, fit and healthy Nick Nat, uh tapping down to you know those guys, and yeah, it'll be. Uh, on paper, yeah, certainly tough to stop. Uh, guys, before we wrap things up on the Tim Kelly deal, Keys, I'll start with you. Do you have any, any parting thoughts on the deal, the way it's going to go down potentially, how the midfield might look, or really just any closing thoughts on Tim Kelly potentially becoming a West Coast Eagle? I'm I'm hopeful but not expected, expectant that it gets done in the first week. Geelong, if they're surprised at this announcement, then they're idiots. And to be honest, I don't think Geelong are idiots. They've They've known this was. They would have known this was at least a possibility and a likelihood. So they they would have had a time to get their head around it and what what planning they might do around it. As much as their little bit of tweet or, or statement today wasn't a good portent of what might happen. I think uh, in the due course of the day they're a business and they'll settle down. They've got other trades that they want to do. They'll probably they'll push, but they'll probably. I'm hopeful that they'll want to get it out of the way sooner rather than later. We've shown ourselves to be pretty fair at the trade table and a lot of the trades, whilst they haven't been as big as this one, we've generally been able to get them knocked over fairly quickly, apart from the Kelly trade last year. I think we'll come up with pretty close to our best offer on day one. Um, So hopefully it, it doesn't get drawn out. But like I said, I'm, I'm hopeful rather than expectant. So we'll see. I'm going to try and not read too much of anybody else's thoughts because I think they're just going to be frustrating. And media, although from some of the posts today on our board, I think there seems to be a, a feeling that some of the media has gone to, has, has sort of changed tack a bit with their commentary around this and saying, well, Geelong are just going to have to get a deal done with West Coast and, and move on. So let's hope that happens. Yeah, big shout out to John Ralph. Always been a fan of his. Love his content. Love his appearances on my television. Uh, g'day, Ralphie, if you're listening. Appreciate the tweet, yeah, mate. That's I've never ever say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Miguel, your parting thoughts on the Tim Kelly news, a potential deal, and basically how this changes the course for the Eagles as we move forward. Uh, I think it means we go. We're basically going all in on the next two years, um, we, because you know we. Uh, we're really selling ourselves out of the next two drafts to um, to get Kelly in, um, but that makes sense with you know with you know, Kennedy probably coming up to his last year and Hearn and you know, Nick Nat probably only got a couple of years left. So um, yeah, we are really going all in. But um, you know, add Kelly to the the team we put out on the park this year, and um, we uh, we do have a, a really good shot of um, of giving the premiership a shake. So. Um, definitely worth the gamble. Um, yeah, hopefully the deal gets done. Um, we've had the uh, in the past we've had a history of sort of making pretty generous offers early and um, and getting the deal done. You know, Redden and Wellingham in particular, I think, went through quite quickly and felt like we possibly overpaid for them. But yeah, we got the deal done, so I don't think we'll be stuffing around. Uh, Geelong, I think, in the past have been pretty putting aside the the Kelly discussions last year because I don't think they were. But very keen at all to let him go last year, and that, um, which they're entitled to do. Um, apart from that, I think they've been 
generally pretty reasonable at the trade table, but um, yeah, the early indications from them aren't good, so we'll see what happens. Indeed we will. Uh, it'll be an interesting test for Darren Glass, one of his first major decisions, and, and certainly going to be one of the more public ones in his tenure as the list manager, uh, or indeed the whole team as well, trying to move on from the from the absence or the, the outgoing of Brady Rawlings as well. So, look, plenty to be discussed on this, and I'm sure there'll be no shortage of media coverage. Uh, big thanks to CM9000, Flaming Embers, and Hudson2006 for questions this week. If you have any questions for us on the Kelly uh, deal or indeed on our trading, on our drafting, anything like that, we will have a draft podcast coming up as well in the next few weeks once we know what picks we've still got left after Tim Kelly hopefully becomes a West Coast Eagle. So, uh, Keys, Miguel, thanks very much for coming on the pod this week. No worries. No worries. Cheers. As always, thanks very much for listening. If you would like to give us a review, if you've got any questions, comments, feel free to chuck them in the thread. Feel free to jump onto iTunes as well and maybe give us a rating. It would be much appreciated. Other than that, we will talk to you in a couple of weeks when we discuss all things draft. And fingers crossed, by that stage, Tim Kelly is an Eagle. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Go, Kelly.